thank you, Walter, for filling in the blanks there. A couple things to announce before we get started with our Bible quiz. We have two experts here this morning that are going to help. Well, you should be on that side. This side has trouble with our Bible quizzes, but that's okay. We'll let you, Jesse and Samuel, over on this side. That's right. Number one, when you walked in this morning down in the lobby, uh, there is a the small table down there has some knives and cutlery, cut, cutlery, cutlery on it that uh, have been in the kitchen for a million years, uh, and uh, it was a project that the Women's Fellowship had years ago of selling, selling knives and and so forth, as a fundraiser. Yes. Well, there's there's still some available. If you would like to pick some up and give Christine the money, there's a little note down there on the table how much they are and so forth. So uh, it's it's some good. Yeah, prices on each one, Christine says. So uh, uh, if you desire to have some, pass the money on to Christine, and uh, we can move that out. Like Christine says, they've been here long enough. So, And it, it's not junk. It's good stuff. So take a look at that. Number two, we are going to, again, reactivate our little mini choir uh, that we had at Christmas time. We're going to do a number or two on Easter along with a reading. And we're not sure whether we'll do it on Easter Sunday or the Sunday before or whatever, but it's a great time anyhow, uh, whichever Sunday we use. So those of you who have helped us at Christmas time, we'd like you to reappear. And anyone that is interested in helping with this and singing and praising God, please join us. It's just one number around the piano here, and uh, we have a good time and praising God. So uh, we're going to have some rehearsals, uh, not real formal things, but, you know, uh, maybe the men want to get together and practice their part, and uh, we'll do that after church, not in the evening, so you don't have to make another trip over here. So it's just one number, and the, uh, the number is... The number we pricked is because he lives. Everybody knows that. So it's a good good number. So please consider joining us. We're not looking for the number one best singers. We are looking for some people who want to praise God. So, Virgil, I know you can sing. I think we have everything in order, and you'll know the moment I say it that it's false, but it just popped into my mind. If you look out in the parking lot over here, in the Paul Baker parking area is a new car. Yeah. The Baker Mobile is gone, and we have a new Subaru Forester sitting there. And is it in a coincidence that now the women are sewing the cuttery down there? (laughs) 
Christine, do you have any updates on our prayer ministry guide? Okay. Okay, um, Jonathan Brenneman um, had the surgery. It was successful, so we put him on praises. If you look on your prayer guide today, he is on praises, which is wonderful. We need the praises. Uh, since last Sunday, my um, yeah, Linda Schaubach, the cousin of mine, has pa she passed away on February the 17th last, you know, this past Monday, and her services were on Friday. It was down at, near the Gap, where it was, because they lived down in that area. And um, a very wonderful service. This was a very quick, I mean, I found out that she had a stroke, and that following Thursday, we found out she had the four-stage pancreatic cancer. So within two weeks' time of the stroke and knowing she had cancer, she's gone. Exactly two weeks. So it was very sad, very quick. But I need to add, this lady was ready. She, and while she still had her senses, because near the end she was at hospice and couldn't really talk, she knew we were there and that was it. But ready for the Lord, had a, a time with each one of her grandchildren, each one of her children and spouses, to talk with them and share with them and shared about the Lord that was stressed. She said to her one doctor, the cancer doctor who told her the news after the stroke, she looked at him and she was humorous in her way. She looked at him and said, you're the most good looking doctor I've ever seen. But she said, I want to tell you, I understand what you just told me, what I'm diagnosed with, but I am ready. I am ready for the Lord. And she looked at him, and the pastor shared this with us on Friday. She looked at him, and she pointed her finger at him and said, and are you ready? And the doctor just stood there. But she was so, and, and she didn't say it, you know, like demanding or anything. This was Linda. This is how she was. And she wanted to make sure that she had her time with each one. And thank the Lord she did. He gave her that time. And she did because... Within so many days after that, she wouldn't have been able to. And it, it's just, the whole service was just wonderful. It was very sad, yeah. but it was, it was sad, but it was also a praise. And a praise that she shared, and it was shared in the message and everything of being ready for your Lord. It was a great message. Um, Sean Aldinger, I just got an update with him. He's under chronic illnesses on our prayer guide. Sean just had his one leg removed below the knee. He's at Hershey Med Center. He had, he had this surgery on this past Thursday. So I had just gotten that news yesterday. So it was, I wasn't able to get it in, so I'll put that in later. But just pray for these people. We're just, uh, and also keep praying for Loretta Blatt. I have her on that she's dealing with the kidney stones. And I did not get to talk to her in the last few days, so I'm praying you know, I hope this soon gives up with her because she said this is terrible. Kidney stones, I've never had any, but I know a lot of you people have. They're not fun. It's no laughing matter. No, it's not. It is no laughing matter. Is there anyone else that has something they would like to share? Oh, Nancy, I'm sorry, I walked past you. 
We have Barbara Adams. <clears throat> she did have her surgery on the 20th, and it went very well. But, and she's now with her daughter. She did have some post-operative issues, but her surgery went well. And uh, Kevin Zorin, we have on our list for those with cancer. He has bone cancer. Is This week is going to have all his blood removed. I'm not sure what they're withdrawing, but he'll go into a, a room that's a compression room uh, for the next two to three weeks. He'll have no immunity. And he said he doesn't know he can stand in a room for that long. So they're going to give him a pressurized, a pressurized uh, suit that he can walk the hallways. But, uh, wow. And they told him he has an 80% chance of another five years if this goes well. And then Goldie, uh, Kim stopped over last evening. Goldie called her yesterday morning. It was very dizzy and nauseous, and she said her speech was somewhat slurred. She was really worried. Took her to urgent care, and they diagnosed her with vertigo and gave her medicine for nausea. I talked to her last evening. She still has dizziness, so she can't, she shouldn't drive. So she, she's at home. She's improved. She's a little better. She's supposed to do exercises to make fluid move in her ears, I think, or, or crystals in her ears. She was offered physical therapy, and she's going to wait till tomorrow to make that decision so she can do things at home. But that's why she's not here today. And then Mad Maddie, the little girl. I don't know, Shirley, do you want to share more about her? Heidi... Would you like to? Uh, basically, right now she's uh, stable, a little better. Uh, they didn't think she was going to make it. She had a blood clot in her lung uh, a couple days ago. And so but right now, of course, you know, when they were hoping that she would stabilize, they can do some testing. That's the latest we have. How old is she? And the doctor said in 27 years, he's never cared for a baby with a blood clot yeah. in their lungs. And they thought they were going to lose her through the night. And they reached out to all the people they knew to pray. And after they did that, she started to make some improvement with the Isn't prayer. The families that were, thanks everybody for the prayers. Yep. Yep. Who else would like to share? Karen. Um, first, we did get word from Naomi that Mario, our son-in-law, is having surgery on his ear February 28th. So that'll be this week. And hopefully, this is the final one, so hopefully it will solve all remaining issues. Um, the other worrisome thing is in Nigeria, the Boko Haram attacked again, destroyed Gadurka, something like that, um, which is where the brethren were first started there by Stover Kulpin. I can't think of the other man's name. So the, one of the first area that was brethren destroyed that. Yeah, the church was destroyed there, plus ongoing attacks and destruction. So this is 
there's actually two groups in northern Nigeria. There's another group attacking, um, I think they're Baptist-oriented Christians. But So this is ongoing, and they, they actually had a public demonstration a few weeks ago in time of fasting and prayer and trying to get the attention of the government, and it doesn't seem to be working so far. So continue to pray for the believers there. And finally, I... I talked about um, maybe getting together to do a, a game thing. Um, somebody suggested a Sunday after church and doing some kind of a carry-in. So I am four Sundays from now is March 22nd. So tentatively having some kind of get-together after church to um, fellowship over food. You know, the Bible talks about fellowshipping over food quite often and then also maybe playing some of these kind of Bible trivia game. I'm not sure which. So let me know if you're interested, and, and maybe Nancy and I can figure out, and Christine, food thing, a way to manage that. So thank you. Big pizza with anchovies. <clears throat> That sounds like a good idea, Karen. I think that would be fun. That would be fun. There's a lot of things we could do as far as activities, but boy, the food is, that's the drawing card. So think of all the wonderful things you could, could help out with there. Okay. Well, a lot to pray about, of course. We always do. You know, we were just talking in Sunday school about prayer. And Jesus encourages us to pray continuously. Not just today, in this short time that we have, but continually praying and seeking guidance. Knocking, seeking, always praying. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, here we are congregation of believers. We just don't come here because it's the right thing to do. We come here because we truly believe that you are the Savior that you claim that you are. And therefore, we know, we know that we know that we can rely on you to hear our prayers. Father in heaven, we know that you are a good father. We know that you want to do good things for your children. And so we come to you with prayers. And our congregation has heard verbal statements about individuals who are suffering. Some have passed on to be with you. Some are struggling. Lord, we as a people always need your help. We can't do it by ourselves. We need your help. So many things to pray about, Lord. So many people in distress. Our brethren in Nigeria, particularly. Lord, help those individuals. We pray that you will give them guidance, you will give them perseverance, and you will turn them away from danger. Lord, 
they are strong believers. And they need all the prayer and all the intercessions that they can receive. Lord, so many things to pray about. Our prayer ministry guide is full. And so many things that are, are not on that that need to be prayed. People are struggling with diseases, situations, and concerns. Hear our prayers, Lord. Hear our prayers from our heart that we come to you, our Father. And we realize that you are the only one that can hear our prayers and the only one that can do good things with it. Thank you, Lord. Sustain us as we go forward, Lord. Sustain your believers, not just in this congregation, but throughout the world. Thank you, Lord. And we praise your holy name. We lift you up. For we know that you are our Heavenly Father. And we know that your Son is our Savior. And your Spirit is our guide. Thank you, Lord. In whose name we pray. Amen. Blessings to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is, he is the blesser. He's able to bless. And he has a heart to bless. A lot of things can get in the way. Including the devil. Including uh, us being drawn away by our own desires. Off in the wrong direction. You know, but you know God's not, not our problem. God's not my problem. God's not your problem. It's not, God's not the problem. And sometimes it's a combination of things, you know. But God has a plan and he, he has a heart to bless. Do you know he has a heart to bless you this morning? And uh, don't, don't let go of that. This is a... Um, this is a fallen world, lost and dying world, my, my. But, but that's not God's plan from the beginning. And God's plan to have a creation that's responsive to him, that plan will not be foiled. And uh, I don't know, have you, have you read clear to the end of the Bible yet? Don't miss the last couple chapters. Regardless of how bad the things we face sometimes. You know, what the devil, what the devil means for evil, God, guess what? He can turn that for good. Don't you doubt that. Do not doubt God's ability to turn the worst things for good. That's the kind of God we serve. And he will fulfill his promises. God is not slack concerning his promises. He just doesn't sort of, oh, well, you know, I know I promised that. No, no, no. He's going to fulfill every word, everything. And even though we face difficult things, the best remains, and the very best is yet to be. 
if, if you take and add up what's in the Bible, that's what it adds up to. The best remains, and the very best is yet. You know, all this terrible stuff, could it, you know, it's going to happen? Well, yeah. But the best for the believer, for the believer, the best is yet to be. That was just a warm, uh, warming up my voice, just in case uh, uh, it wasn't working quite right. I think we're on track. All right. We are talking today in the message about a person in the Bible who um, I think is astounding. Hmm. And uh, let's read three verses. Um, Karen, it's my bulletin back there. Now, my, I had some other stuff written on yep, Sermon notes. <laughs> I write on my bulletin. Okay. Um, let's yeah. Let, let's look at the uh, three verses that are listed there in the bulletin: Second uh, Peter and uh, a, a, a verse in Jude and a verse in the Revelation. Let's start there, just to show you that that this man Balaam uh, is a concern in the New Testament. And um, is using it as an example. And uh, so, so for you to know these passages, uh, that they're there, I think is a very, in telling the story, and we are really telling the story today, um, th- that this is alluded to directly uh, in the New Testament. So uh, let, let's go there. Second uh, Peter and... Uh, in 2 Peter, let's go to chapter 2, verse 15. And uh, I reserve the right to return to this later on in the message. If uh, We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, I try to stay, you know, I try to stay open to the leading of the Spirit. And sometimes I get sidetracked. Once in a while I do what God wants me to do. <laughs> I try to, but sometimes it doesn't always work. You, you, you just need to know how I look at myself, all right? You know, when I was a kid, I used to think I was a hot shot preacher, you know. I'll forget that. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 15, it says, They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Love the wages of unrighteousness. Now, let's go to Jude. Jude's right before Revelation. Go to Revelation and turn left. Probably just one page in your Bible, maybe not more than two pages. I got a super giant, super duper, duper. Can, can you read my Bible from way back there? You know, this is the biggest I could find for cheapy cheap at Ollie's, you know. Yeah, the cover costs more than the Bible. Now, what's wrong with this picture? Jude, one verse there. Jude, verse 11. There's only one chapter. Jude, verse 11, it says, Woe to them, 
for they have gone the way of Cain, that's Cain and Abel Cain, and have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit and perished in the rebellion of Korah. Now that's uh, Korah of the... Uh, of the wilderness and, uh, you know, the great judgment that came on Korah. But ba notice Balaam there, the error of Balaam. And then one other place uh, in the New Testament speaking of Balaam directly, and that is second chapter of Revelations. Revelation, uh, I mean, let me just read a, read a section here. This is... Um, uh, these are the letters of the of the Lord through an angel to the ch to seven churches, the seven churches of what we call Turkey, or back in those days it was called Asia. Um, verse twelve, Revelation chapter two, verse twelve, it says, "Unto the angel of the church in Pergamos, write." These things says he who has a sharp two-edged sword. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you because you have there those who hold to the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed by idols and to commit sexual immorality. Thus you also have those who hold to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Nicolaitans from the, um, if you take that word, and you take that word apart in the Greek, it is talking about those of the, of the congregation who rebel against leadership and go their own way. Well, so that's pointing back at Balaam is, is my point here. All right. Few other verses, and these are background verses. Thank you, Lord. Uh, let's go back to, because uh, I, I, will, I will use this verse. Okay, go to Psalms. Psalms, uh, help me, Lord. Uh, 106, Psalm 106, Psalm, just one verse. These are, all these are, are background to, uh, to the story. Psalm 106 and verse 15. There it is. And this, this, this verse may be something you need today. Have you been pastoring about God, God about something and it's more of a selfish thing than it is praying for the well-being of others? You know, I'm just going to, 
I'm just going to knock down. You know, the Bible talks about knocking down the door and, and getting a blessing from God. Okay, but did you know this can happen? Here's what it says. And he, that's the Lord, gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. It is possible to pray your way through to an answer, and yet it's not what God really, he, he doesn't really want that for you, and it brings leanness to your soul. My, my. A couple others. I got these written down. Oh, yeah. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. These are, like I said, these are background verses and relate to what we will find back there in the Old Testament in Numbers. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Uh, I think it's in this Bible someplace. There, yeah, okay. You ever, try, you ever try to talk and try to find something in the Bible at the same time? That's my main problem preaching. First Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 verse, verse 21. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21. You need to do this every Sunday. Whether it's Ryan or me, you need to do this. When you watch some preacher on television or listen to some preacher on the radio, you need to do this. Every time, my, my. Verse 21, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. Do not just swallow everything that's fed to you by whatever hotshot preacher is around. You test it. And as you have grown in the Lord, God gives you the ability to say, I think that was mostly right, but something didn't sit well with me. Well, pray that through. And you know what? And, And there are some things that you could learn that the preacher never says, just because you go, yeah, there was something about that message that, yeah, there wasn't quite perfect. You know, I don't know that I've ever preached a perfect sermon. One time I preached for, for uh, 15 minutes and, and the lady thought it was perfect. Fifteen, you know, imagine me preaching a 15-minute sermon. That's almost unheard of. Just to prove miracles still happen. <laughs> And then one other passage, which you know well, I think you know well. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Balaam needed this so bad. Maybe you do too. Maybe I do too. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, Though I speak with the tongues, that's languages, of men, that's human languages, and of angels. There are languages that angels speak. 
but have not love. What's, what kind of love, church? What kind of love is that? Agape love. This is a love that compelled Jesus to say in the garden, not my will, Father, but yours be done. And it compelled him to carry that cross as far as he could carry it and to go to the, to the mount and to have the nails nailed in his hands and his feet and to be lifted up. And he was lifted up, and it was the love of God that lifted him up for your redemption, for my redemption. That's the kind of love this is talking about, the love of the cross. Don't, when it talks about love, oh, isn't that nice to have that red during a wedding? Well, yeah, if you wanted, but do you want to bring the cross into it? You get a wrong picture of this if you don't bring the love of God through the cross, the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ into that word love. And so it's saying, you can speak real languages, human languages, whether you learn them or not. Angel languages, you can speak those. You know, just... Now figure that out. Let me know when you did. He says, you don't have love. I have, I have, Paul, Paul makes it personal. He says, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. My, 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 my. I heard a man say one time, he said, I'd rather hear a donkey bray in a, in a tin barn than hear some of that stuff. You know, just make a noise. It is possible to do the real languages and, and yet there's something wrong. Though I have the gift of prophecy. Now we're here, we're talking about Balaam. I have the gift of prophecy. Understand all mysteries, all knowledge. And though I have all faith uh, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am zero, nothing. Zero, man. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned, have not loved, that's the love of the cross, what took Jesus to the cross to die for you and me, that love. If you don't have that love, it profits me nothing. No reward in it, my mind. We got to do Balaam. Come on, let's go back to Numbers. And uh, Numbers 22. Numbers. Who is Balaam? I consider this a fascinating story. Numbers chapter 22, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pretty well plow through this. Remark, make a few remarks. Hope you can tell the difference between my remarks and what what the Bible says. That's why it's good to have your Bible open. You go, oh, Sandy's Sandy got off on a tangent. Tangent. She's going down a rabbit trail. There he goes. Sandy, get back to the Bible. All right. 
Numbers chapter 22, then the children of Israel moved and camped in the plains of Moab. Moab, um, Edom, Uh, the town, the town, the town. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Uh, Jericho, north end of the Dead Sea, around to the east side of the Dead Sea is the area we're talking about. And coming down from the north is the River Jordan. It says the plains of Moab on the side of the of the Jordan across from Jericho. Right there is Jericho is. Now Balak, the son of Zipper, I don't know if that's a kind of zipper I got on my coat or not. Zipper saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. Hey, we two weeks ago, remember the Amorites? And how Moses held up his staff, had to have help holding it up. Moses was a uh, and, and Moab, Moab, I'm sorry, Moab was exceedingly afraid of the people because there were many and Moab uh, was sick with dread because of the children of Israel. So here come Israel is out there in the wilderness, have wandered around for almost 40 years at this point. And here they come and they are so many of them. So Moab said to the elders of Midian, Midian, that's another sort of same area, all right? Edom, Moab, Midian says, now this company will lick up everything around us as a ox licks up the grass of the field and Balak, the son of Zipper, was king of the Moabites at this time. So Balak is a key player. Keep that in mind. All right. Then he, that's the son of Zipper, Balak, sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor, and he was at Pathor, which is near the river, in the land of the sons of his people, to call him, saying, Look, a people has come from Egypt. See, they cover the face of the earth and are set, settling next to me. Well, here they come, and we we got to do something about this. That's really what, what uh, the messengers are bringing to Balaam. Therefore, please come at once. Curse this people for me, for they are too many, uh, too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land, for I know that whom you bless is blessed. And whom you curse is cursed. So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the diviner's fee. This is a fortune-telling fee, bunch of money in their hand. And they came to Balaam and spoke to him the words of Balak. And he said to them, lodge here tonight and I will bring... Um, bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. So the princes of Moab stayed with Balaam. So, okay, we're going to stay overnight. Verse 9 says, then, the, then God came to Balaam. Look at that. God came to Balaam. Has God come to you? Uh, I marvel at this. God came to Balaam and said, 
Who are these men with you? By the way, did God know who these men were? Yeah. What he's really saying is, Balaam, do you really know who these guys are? In essence, he's saying, you know, they're trouble. <laughs> do, do you know what you're getting yourself into? Come on. So Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zippor, the king of Boab, has sent to me saying, look, a people has come out of Egypt and they cover the face of the earth. Come now, curse them for me. Perhaps I shall be able to overpower them and drive them out. And God said to Balaam, you shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people for they are blessed. Now, who were the people? People, the children of Israel. They're blessed. So Balaam arose in the morning and said to the princes of Balak, go to your land, for the Lord has refused to give me permission to go with you. Now, he understands what the Lord wants, right? <laughs> if the Lord ever tells you, go, you better go. If the Lord tells you not to go, then don't go. But Balak, there was something wrong. Princes of Moab rose and went to Balak and said, Balaam refuses to come with us. Then Balak sent princes more numerous and more honorable, more, you know, the distinguished ones, the ones that were the real politicians. <laughs> yeah, well, here they come. Verse 16, and they came to Balaam and said to him, thus says Balak, the son of Zippor, Please let nothing hinder you from coming to me, for I will certainly honor you greatly, and I will do whatever you say to me. Therefore, please come, curse this people for me. Then Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Notice what he said. The word of the Lord my God. Now therefore, verse, verse 19, now therefore please you also stay here tonight that I may know what, what more the Lord will say to me. And God came to Balaam at night and said to him, If the men come to call you, rise and go with them. But only the words which I speak to you, that you shall do. All right. Balaam, if you insist. By the way, when, when God looks at you, what does he see? Does he see just the outside, right? No, he sees all the way down to the depths of who he saw all the way down into the depths of Balaam. And he saw this thing going on inside of Balaam. And Balaam was going to what? He was going to go anyway. All right, if you're going to go, God gave him the, de the desire, the, the patience of his heart. Yeah, he's going to go. All right, you're going to go? 
hey, only do what I tell you. Verse 21, so Balaam rose up in the morning, saddled his donkey, went with the princes of Moab. Then God's anger was aroused because he went. Now what? Now look, he said he could go, but there was something about his going that wasn't right. What was wrong with it? God, in, in essence, God sort of gave him permission, but God did not give him permission to go for, for the passion he had in there for what? For all, these, for all this honor and all, potential, all this money and for covetousness about 10 ways. And, and the Lord could see that in Balaam. So, so what does God do? By the way, one of the first things God does almost all the time is do a merciful thing. And, and it's a, mercy comes to us, and a lot of times we don't even recognize what mercy looks like from God. But God does a merciful, here's the merciful thing. God's anger was aroused because he went and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way or in the road as an adversary against him as he was riding on his donkey and his two servants were with him. Now the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way or standing in the road with his, his drawn sword in his hand and the donkey turned aside out of the way and went out in the field. So Balaam, yeah, well, we're trying to control things here. <laughs> talk, talk a little bit about this in our Sunday school class this morning. Wrath. You know, here's Balaam, and he, and he has this wrath on this donkey, and he beats this donkey, struck the donkey to turn her back into the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on this side and a wall on that side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed herself against the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall so he st struck her again. You know, <laughs> you know, how did this start out? God was, I really believe God was trying to have mercy on, on Balaam and for, you know, do you do stupid things? Anybody besides me do stupid things. I, we got a few. We got, hey, we got a few more. <laughs> you know, you face up to being honest on that. And sometimes when we do the stupid thing, we don't like to be told, yeah, well, this, this is not a good idea. <laughs> not, not a, verse 26, the angel of the Lord went further, that's further down the road, and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down. <laughs> I think that is so funny. Under Balaam. Ba oh, Balaam's hopping mad. <laughs> Balaam's anger was aroused and he struck the donkey with his staff. And the, the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey 
And she said to Balaam, what have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? By the way, what kind of God do you believe in? Do you believe in a God that can make a donkey talk if it's necessary? I hope so. Do you believe in a miraculous God? How big is your God? If you have a God that can't do that, you need to trade in your God for a bigger God. That's all I can say about that. I believe the donkey talked. And Balaam said to the donkey, by the way, have you talked to your animals recently? Balaam said to the donkey, because you have abused me, I wish there were a sword in my hand for, for now I would kill you. Balaam was so mad at him, mad at the donkey, that he wanted to kill the donkey. <laughs> so the donkey said to Balaam, am I not your donkey on which you have ridden? Ever since I became yours to this day, was I ever uh, disposed to do this to you? And he said, no. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way and his drawn sword in his hand and he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. You're going for all the wrong reasons, Balaam. The donkey saw me, still the angel speaking, the donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely I would have, have killed you by now and let her live. <laughs> Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, oops, well, that's Sandy's translation. I have sinned, for I did not know you stood in the way against me. Now, therefore, if it displeases you, I will turn back. Well, if the issue is going or staying, but you know what? That, that really wasn't the issue altogether. The angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the man but only the word that I speak to you, that you shall speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. Now when Balak heard that Balaam is coming, he went out to meet him out of the city of Moab, which is on the border with, with Anron, then the boundary of the territory. And then Balak said to Balaam, I uh, say, uh, did, I, did I not earnestly send you calling for you? Why did you not come to me? Am I not able to honor you? And Balaam said to Balak, look, I have come to you. Now have I any power at all to say anything? The word that God puts in my mouth that I must speak. So Balaam went with Balak. And they came to Kirjahazuth. See if you could do better than me. Then Balak offered oxen and sheep, and he sent some to Balaam and the princes who were with him. 
So it was the next day that Balak took Balaam and brought him up to the high places of Baal. Signals ought to be going off all over the place. These are, this is the place where they worship what? Now they may have called him, listen, they may have called him Adonai, they may have called him Yahweh, they may have called him the true God, but that was syncretism because it was a false idolatry that they were using the name of God for. They worship. Yikes. And that's what, and that's what Balak is into. And this is what Balak is, he's, he's going to get Balaam to go in that direction. You give the devil an inch and he will take way more than a mile. He will take it as far as you, as far as you can take it. Hey, resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Don't give him. Don't give him an inch. But Balaam did. Balaam gave him an inch. High places of Baal. That from there he might observe the extent of the people. Then Balaam said to Balak, build me seven altars for me here and prepare for me here seven bulls and seven rams. We're going to make an offering, a sacrifice to the Lord. And Balak did just as Balaam had spoken and Balak and Balaam offered a bull and a ram on each altar. Then Balaam said to Balak, stand by your bird offering and I will go. Perhaps the Lord will come. By the way, did the Lord already make it plain? Balaam already knew that this is a blessed people. Already knew it. But Balaam said, you know, well, maybe God will say something different today. <laughs> no, no, don't, don't do that. Just don't do it. Perhaps the Lord will come to me, and whatsoever he shows me, I will tell you. So he went to a desolate height, and God met, look at that, God met Balaam. And he said to him, I have prepared uh, seven altars, and I have offered on each altar a bull and a ram. Then the Lord put a word, this is an oracle, this is God giving a prophetic word into the mouth of Balaam. The Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, quote, return to Balak and thus you shall speak. So he returned to him and there he was standing by his burnt offering and he and all the princes of Moab. And he took up his oracle and, and here's, here's the word of the Lord, Balak the king of Moab has brought me from Amran, from the mountains of the east. Come, curse Jacob for me. Come, denounce Israel. How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? And how shall I denounce uh, the Lord, uh, whom the Lord has not denounced? For from the top of the rocks I see him. Now he's talking about Israel here. There he's everywhere, all the children of Israel. And from the hills I behold him, there a people dwelling alone, not reckoning itself among the nations. Here's a nation that doesn't even count itself as nations, and it's a mighty nation. And it's, 
This, this is glowing terms. This is, this is blessing terms. <laughs> you know, what do you expect God to do? Who can count the dust of Jacob? Or number one-fourth of Israel, let me die the death of the righteous and let my end be like his. This people is so blessed. If I'm going to die, let me die with them, you know? <laughs> then ba Balak said to Balaam, what have you done to me? I took you to curse my enemies, and look, you have blessed them bountifully. So they answered and said, must I not take heed to speak what the Lord has put in my mouth? And Balaam said to him, please come with me to another place. You know, maybe what the problem here is perspective. You were up here, maybe, maybe that was too high. Maybe we need to get someplace else. Uh, to another place, which you may see. <laughs> so what did Balaam do? Yeah, Balaam goes with him. Duh. If you ever get yourself into this, don't do what Balaam did. You shall see only the outer part of them. Maybe, you know, maybe they look too overwhelming. And shall not see all of them. Curse them for me from there. So they brought him to the field of Zephyrin on the top of Pishbah and built seven altars, offered a bull and a ram on each altar. And he said to Balak, stand here by your burnt offering while I meet with the Lord over there. And the Lord met Balaam, put a word in his mouth, said, go back to Balaam, and thus you, just, you shall speak. So he came, and there he was standing by his burnt offering and the princes of Moab with him. And Balak said to him, what has the Lord spoken? You know, let, let's hope he's cursed the children of Israel so they'll lose the word and they'll get out of here. No, no, no took up his oracle. So here's the second prophecy. Rise, Balak, and hear. Listen to me, son of Zipper. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. I'll tell you what, these are powerful words before the Lord. He, has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Behold, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. You know, you're trying, trying for the what? The third time now? Wow. He has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him. The shout of a king is among them. God brings them out of Egypt. He has a strength like a wild ox, you know, strong people. There is no sorcery against Jacob, nor any divination. You're not going to, not by fortune telling, you're not going to do this. It is now, uh, it, it, it now must be said of Jacob and of his Israel, oh, what God has done. But by the way, that's a early Americanism, what God has wrought. First, uh, what God has wrought. Who, who did that? Alexander Graham Bell when he went. What is the Morse code guy? Okay, it wasn't Alexander, it was uh, Morse. <laughs> Whatever Morse's first name was. Yeah, what God has wrought. 
Right there it is. All right. What God has done. Look, a people rises like a 